Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lanier. What do you do on a regular basis to escape reality? What's to blame for the crappy things that are happening in your life? And what can one man's journey through addiction teach all of us about our own hero's journey? We've all got addictions of some sort. We're all trying to hide our shortcomings from others. But today, Shane Raymer from Sober Guy Radio is going to share his story about addiction, having a powerful mindset, and creating a life in service something much larger than himself. Welcome to The New Man. Today we're talking with Shane Raymer. He's the host of Sober Guy Radio, which is a podcast you can check out on iTunes and all the other outlets. And you can also, he's got a great website with tons of resources at thatsoberguy.com. Shane, thanks for being here, man. Trip, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited, excited to join you and uh, talk a little bit today, share a little bit of my experience and uh, hope that it can help someone else out there. Well, you've got quite an experience. You've got a really powerful story and I want to share it with listeners. We're going to be talking about alcoholism. We're going to be talking about addiction, but I, there's there's big ideas here. There's big lessons for everyone. It's not just for the folks that are out there struggling with some kind of a of an addiction. So um I'm here to learn. I, I I I was reading through your story on your website, and and I recognized there were things that I wanted to learn and and, and ask you about. So that's why I've asked you to come on the on the uh, on the show today. Um, on, on your site, you mentioned that if we if we just dive right in, I mean, you, you yeah. mentioned that you knew early on that you had addictive traits as a child, and and that was interesting to me. I, I, what do you mean by that? How did you know as a kid that you were addictive? I mean, were you were you playing with substances then, or or what? What led you to believe that? Um, I think I think just from just from seeing uh, in my in my family in um, the environment that I was growing up in, um, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of alcohol, there was um, a lot of drugs that were uh, very relevant, you know, in that in that upbringing. In in me, I can't say there's anything specific um, that like I didn't start using alcohol or drugs till I think I was about fifteen. Um, so it wasn't anything when I was real young, other than the fact of, I can't share this now. Um, my dad used to leave open cores in the fridge 
and he he would he would come down and he would pound like a half a Coors and then leave it in the it was just like a normal thing I guess in the 80s man you just you drank a half a beer and you put it back in the in the fridge and so I would go in there as a little guy wait and, I just gotta know, say how gnarly that would be to come back to that Coors that's a nasty <laughs> that's, that's a nasty a experience flat, like yeah yeah I don't. I don't know, man. That that was that was pops for you, man. He uh, okay. you know, he that's how he rolled, and uh, so I would I, I can remember going in there and um, you know, and and taking drinks off of it. And now, mm. you know, mind you, I wasn't trying to to get drunk. I didn't really know what it was. I just know that dad, this is what dad drank, and uh, and so you know, I would I would try it out, and um, I think is it was more of an internal feeling as I got a little bit older that I knew that. Um, I knew that I, I, I enjoyed an escape from something, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at that, when I look back now, sugar, uh, and I'm not an expert on food or anything. I'm not an expert on, on really much, but, uh, like the, the, the food and the, um, you know, the sugar thing too, was a really big thing, like soda, uh, cupcakes, like all that stuff. And so, uh, candy, um, that was an addictive thing for me, even as, as a kid, like I, I enjoyed a lot of that. And I, I, um, you know, so that, I think that's the first thing that kind of sparked it, I guess. So you were, you, you noticed you're aware, I guess maybe in hindsight's 2020 that you were seeking substances to get into yeah. a different, uh, to escape, as you said, like, Oh, here's a way out of, here's a way to, yeah. to alter my, my brain right now, my experience. Well, I think, I think too, um, you know, and I, I can't really attest to, to, you know, to being young, to knowing consciously what I was, what I was doing then. But I think it was a way to cope with an environment that was very unhealthy and very unpredictable. So it could go from everything is fine, you know, one minute to all hell breaks loose in the next minute. And that unpredictability of, you know, being, being a kid growing up like that, um, you know, it was, it was stressful. Yeah. And, um, I still like talk what, about like, give me, give me, a, give me a sense of what, when you say all hell breaking loose, what do you mean? Just like, you know, um, uh, screaming, fighting, um, cops, cops coming, the, the cops was in, what was, uh, was, was, a, a it got to be a regular thing for domestic disputes. And like, I always say this when I talk about this, cause it's, it's tough to talk about. I'm not knocking like on my mom and dad, like I love them very much. And they loved you know, I have a younger sister too, and they, they loved us, but the point I think more, and, and what I really try to, to help people understand through my own experience is that they didn't have the tools, um, to know how to deal with life basically with mm. rate, with a family, with, with kids, with work, with the stress, with financial stress, financial stress was a big thing. Um, growing up, I mean, we grew up uh, in, I, I grew up in apartments most of my life. We moved around a lot, pretty much in the same area in Solano County up in Northern California. So we were between uh, Napa, um, Napa, Fairfield and Vacaville basically. So, you know, a general radius of like, you know, 45 miles basically, but we did move around quite a bit. So there was no stability there in a sense, um, you know, of having that, that secure home environment trust me, there's, there's kids out there who have it, you know, a thousand times worse than, than I ever had it. So I'm not trying to paint a sob story by any means. Um, well, what I'm getting but, is that there's, there's abuse. And then there's just also living in an environment where it's like, is, is something going to happen at any minute? Is, do I, yeah. I it just like constantly being aware that 
the shit could hit the fan. That's a pretty big deal when you're yeah. a little kid and, and cops are showing up and mom and dad are screaming or whatever. But I, I like that you had that foundation that you knew that your parents loved you, but still it doesn't erase I'm being li- I'm a little guy. I don't uh, you know, I can't really take care of myself. I'm relying on these yeah. people and, and the just it's uncertain. There's just this a, a chronic sense of uncertainty. Is that right? Yeah, totally. And you know, you just you just kind of spark something um that comes to mind for me too in 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 living in that environment. See, I'm I've I've kind of learned to take on this. I used to play the victim role for a long, long time, for most of my life, right? Till I got sober, it was victim mentality straight up. Um you know, this happened to me, this person did that. Why isn't this, this isn't going my way, that, that whole type of thing. But since getting sober and since, you know, learning, which I continue to do on the daily, some new tools to how to, how to cope with myself, how to learn about myself, how to understand, um, how I can just be a better person. You had mentioned, you know, being a little guy and not understanding well, what that did for me was it forced me to, to look up to older people, to older, older guys in particular friends, um, you know, and and watch them and and try to pick out some some healthy, at least what you know what I, what I thought was at the time, um, some healthy things or some 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 traits that I found um, relatable, I guess, and it helped me learn. So I've always been open to learning, and I've always been open um, to to trying to better myself, I guess. Okay. Do you think that uh, I mean you know there's there's addiction across the entire spectrum of our of our of our culture. Do you think you would have become an alcoholic if you were raised in a different environment? Man, that's a that's a damn good question. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I I don't know if I can I don't know if I have an answer to that. I know that I'm a firm believer that God puts us on a path. I think there's a pre a predestined determination of my life. Mm-hmm. Going back to that instead of playing that victim mentality, I've been able to shift that mentality and look at the things that went on in, in my childhood with, with my, you know, with, um, the, that unhealthy environment growing up. And I've really been able to look at that as a positive now, which has helped change my outlook on life really as a whole. Um, because I understand that I experienced that so I can do what I get to do today, which is, you know, um, meet other people, talk to other people, share my experience, uh, share my strength, my hope in, in helping other people understand um, number one, that they're not alone in going through, you know, it's not just addiction and alcoholism. We're talking about depression, anxiety, all that shit is rampant in our society today. And I mean, I think that's kind of a whole nother discussion when we get into, um, you know, different types of drugs and medications and all that stuff too. But point being is that God, God put, God puts us all through certain experiences and it's up to us to figure out how we're going to look at those and we can either play the victim role or we can make a shift and we can look at it as, yeah, this shit happened to me, but I'm not going to let that define the person that I am. I'm going to flip that and I'm going to use it to my advantage and I'm going to, I'm going to go out and I'm going to either help other people. I'm I'm going to um, do things in life that actually mean something. And you know, there's one, there's one quote that has always stuck with me from your show, man. And I can't remember which episode it was, um, but it was a it was a great conversation. You might know. And one thing that you said that stood out to me, you said, I'm a powerful motherfucker and I can do amazing things in this life. And that 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 statement right there is such a powerful statement. And I use it often because um, I, I think there is power in that I am statement and that power of thought. Mm. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of good stuff there. 
Um, I want to come back. Thank you for that. And, and I want to come back to kind of your, your story here. I want to come back to this chronology because yeah. it's, it's a really, it's a hero's journey. And, and I think that, that those of us out there that are going through, you know, we don't have to be alcoholics, but we can see ourselves in this, in this, in this story. So I want to come back and, and get back into this, this groove of the story. Yeah. You met Jess, uh, you, um, what a great gal, by the way, she reached out to yeah. me when you had your hundredth episode and, and, that uh, was so cool. Thank you for doing that, by the way, too. I was so juiced. <laughs> just for the guys listening out there. She, she like did a surprise for Shane, uh, you know, Hey, it, it got all these people to congratulate him on his hundredth episode for his podcast and then sprung it on him. So it was, it was a lot of fun to play, play in that. But, um, so, but one of the things that you said was that you, you guys met early on You've been together this whole time, but early on you said you didn't know how to connect unless you were drinking. And I can imagine yeah. there's so many other people that are in relationships and they don't really know how to connect unless they're doing something that's really not good for them. You know, like whatever <laughs> it is, like if it's TV yeah. or, you know, obviously alcohol or, or other substances or just things that are just not in their, their kind of their, their, their bring out the best in them. And so I, I was like, wow, how many other people are in that situation? What did you mean by that? What did, what did that mean for you when you said you didn't know how to connect unless you guys were drinking? Well, I, I, we didn't know true self. And so how can I connect with somebody if I don't know true self, if I'm using a, a, a substance or, or something, like you said, even TV, like to, to kind of zone things out and escape reality. What's true um, self? For, and what do you, when you say true self, I don't want to assume anything. So what do you mean by that? Well, I'm still trying to figure that out. Number one, <laughs> and it's a journey. I think, I, I think, if I'm continuing to grow, I'm continuing, you know, I will never, um, I hope to be very close one day, but if I'm lucky enough to live, you know, till I'm an old man, um, I hope to be continually learning about my true self and about who I am a little bit each day. At that time, you know, Jess and I, we like, we've known each other um, since the sixth grade. And so we, you know, we were friends before we were ever, um, you know, together and, uh, we, we smoked a lot of pot together in our uh, late teens and early 20s, which led into the mid-20s and up until I was 32 when I got sober, or 30, 31. Um, you know, so that time that we spent together, we had a lot of good times together. I mean, we, we did have some good experiences and stuff, but most of the time it was all based around uh, drinking, smoking pot, and, and there were other drugs that became involved as that progressed, uh, especially into our mid-20s. Okay. And so – a lot of those experiences, um, a lot of those experiences came at, at a at a level of, I guess, of consciousness that was, um, you know, I, I was high. I well, guess I can appreciate so, that. There were there's guys that I went to college with. I was like, I don't know if I'd hang out with these guys unless I was drinking. There's there's music out there. <laughs> like you you per people purposely go to that concert and do drugs. Like, could you even listen to that music if you weren't on drugs? Like, this music yeah. sucks. So. <laughs> Funny, I think there is this layer of like I can only function with these people or with these within these scenarios if I'm altered in some way. But and and then there's the part of me who I really am that's bigger than my fears. That's bigger than this persona that I use to kind of navigate the world and defend myself. And um, uh, so, well, the, and then, but the but the difference for I guess I, and I totally I totally agree with what you're saying. But I, I guess the difference for me on that is. The con, you know, let's just take the concert scenario for, for instance, right? Concerts, maybe it's a Friday night, it's a Saturday night, and um, you know, you go out, you have a good time. Um, you know, maybe you do smoke a little, little weed, have a few drinks, maybe have a few too many drinks. 
but that's not affecting the normal person throughout their week, um, you know, with their job or with their marriage or whatever. And, and for me, that that's ultimately what ended up happening is that I can't use it as a tool because I abuse it, mm. if that makes any sense. Right. And so it started affecting my, my job. It started affecting my marriage. It started affecting uh, my life in general, where it got to a point where I couldn't go a day or a moment without either doing it or thinking about it, if that makes sense. And so I think that's, I think for me that that's kind of the difference. And so when I say that, I guess point being like, if you're a dude out there or a lady out there, you know, who can have a couple of drinks responsibly and not, you know, drive home and, and, you know, it's not, it's not jacking your whole life up, then that's awesome. Like, you know, alcohol is a tool, but, um, you know, to someone like me who can't, who can't really do that, um, it's, it's a little bit different. Got it. Got it. I'm glad you kind of laid that in there and not demonize alcohol necessarily. It's, it's, I like that dis- yeah, not this distinction. Well, well, let me it's ask you this. Problem. So you guys, you guys had your daughter in 2010 and then in 2012, you decided to quit. What had you quit then? I got like, it was kind of a half, it wasn't really all in at oh, that yeah. time. So what was that? What happened in 2012 and, and describe that first time that you, you decided you were going to get sober? Yeah. So I, um, I think I had gotten in some trouble. I was, um, you know, and it wasn't any like bad trouble. I didn't go to jail or anything, anything like that, but, um, it was, it was rocky for Jess and I. And so, uh, back to that thing we were just kind of talking about the only, the only thing that, you know, how to communicate was, you know, was, was through, through drinking or partying or whatever. Well, a lot of the time, uh, when I, when I, when I drink, I'm, I'm not myself, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, uh, you call it that liquor courage. And so, you know, arguments, um, you know, doing, doing stupid things, saying stupid things, that kind of stuff. And I think around that time, something like that had happened. We had a big blowout. Uh, we had had many of these before, um, you know, and, and at this point she had had it and, uh, I had had it too. I mean, I had known I had an issue for a while, but I just kind of, the normalcy bias behind, behind, especially drinking, because it's legal and it's just, you know, just what we do, right. As a society, um, the normalcy bias made it really easy for me to justify. Well, that's what my, you know, all my homies are doing that. It's just what I do. It's, um, you know, it's part of it. I got it. I still got my job. I'm still taking care of business, you know, somewhat, which, uh, uh, you know, so I had decided like, okay, I'm going to quit. I'm going to give this thing, you know, a shot. And I'd went back and forth. Like I would quit smoking weed for a week and then I would just drink and then I would just drink and I would quit smoking weed for a couple of weeks. Right. It would go back and forth trying to, trying to figure this thing out. And, um, I think I had quit at this point for maybe 20, 20 days, if I remember right. And my buddy, Seth, who has been instrumental in my recovery, one of my best, best buddies, he's been on the, on the show quite a few times. And, uh, he really set the tone because we've known each other for a long time and he got, he got sober, um, I think two years before I did. And I went to him because I, he was the only one I knew out of any of my, you know, friends that, that, you know, had, had quit. And I said, Hey man, you know, I think, um, I might have, I think I might want to quit. I didn't say that I had a problem at this point. Just that I think I might need to quit. And he took me to a 12 step meeting and I can remember going in and, uh, and thinking, well, I'm not really like any of these people. And I, my problem, you know, it's, it's not as bad as that guy or that gir- that girl. And um, and so need, needless to say, to make a long story short, because there was there was a lot, I think, that went on even in a short period of time. I went to an A's game and um, 
And I had decided at that point too that it wasn't smoking weed that was my problem. It was drinking, right? And so they were passing the blunt around at the – I'm sorry. It was a Raiders game in Oakland. They were passing the blunt around. And I told, I told Jess, I said, you know, I'm just going to hit it a couple times. Alcohol is not my problem or, uh, or weed's not my problem. Alcohol is my problem. So I can, I can get high, right? Well, that – you know, just that in that moment within a couple days, I think it was New Year's, we were sitting there. And Jess and I were still having issues throughout this time, right? Sure. And so I, I said, damn, we're still having issues like – Alcohol is obviously not the problem here, so I'm just going to go ahead and start drinking again. So oh, so you had like you had quit years. the you had laid off the substances and then realized, wait, not all of my problems are still here, <laughs> yeah. so it must not be yeah. the alcohol. Yeah, which is which is completely asinine because you know <laughs> back back to my further point, like it's a me problem. It's not alcohol. Like, I, and that's that's what I think the misconception is between like people who have a really tough time admitting they have a problem because they want to blame it. Well, I, I can't say they, I got to speak for myself. I wanted to blame everything on alcohol and drugs, but that wasn't a problem. It's a me problem. Alcohol and drugs is the tool that I use to cope with shit. And we have many tools. Many, many people use food. They use sex. You mentioned TV, social media, all those types of things are encompassed in escaping reality. And so if I'm not dealing with self with my own issues, and I'm not finding tools to, to deal with that stuff, I'm going to turn to those types of things. Um, so that's ultimately what led to, if you want to call it a relapse or going back into- but, but, but what I'm getting about that relapse was that you had justified it with like, well, wait a second, this, these things aren't the problem, so I might as well just go back yeah. and use them again. You didn't see that they were contributing at all. You just were like, fuck it, I'll just go back to using. Yeah, it, exactly. I'm just okay. going to go back to this because no, nothing's changing anyways. And, and the problem was is that I wasn't changing. I wasn't doing anything mm. to- to change. So yeah, that led me right back into drinking, which gosh, was another year or two where it just got the worst that it had ever been. Well, that's just a powerful thing. I, I want to, you know, that's one of the things where we like, we go on this thing and we think if we just, you know, kind of show up that that'll be enough. Right. But we don't realize that's the starting line most of the yeah. time. And that's kind of this amateur approach. It's a, it, you know, you called it a victim mentality. It's like, well, all I got to do is this, and then something else is going to take care of everything for me. And it's an unconscious process, yeah. but a lot of us think that that's it, that, that we've done the hard work and it's, it can be pretty deflating when we, when we make that first shift and then realize, oh my gosh, I'm just at the starting line. Um, yeah. And so you went back, you're like, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to go back. Yeah. And so, and now were you, were you using in secret or, or were you, was this, I mean, were you telling, were other people still thinking you were sober and you were in, using in secret? No, ev I mean, everyone, um, I think actually the first drink I took, I, we did a show. Um, we did it. We did a show. It was called Thanksgiving. A homie of mine would do around Thanksgiving and, uh, he would, um, he would have this big event. And I think it was out in Oakland and they would make a Thanksgiving dinner, but everything was made with dank oil. So you, I mean, there's just a bunch of people smoking weed and eating a bunch of good food and half of it has- What is uh, dank oil for, for the rest of us? <laughs> like, uh, like, like, like oil, <laughs> like, um, like oil that you make from, uh, from marijuana. So if okay. you strain it down, you can make an oil out of it and you can put it in food. You can cook with it and make brown. That's how they make Jesus. edibles. Got yeah. It. And so it gets, it, it's a different- It's in everything. Too. You put everything, you put dank oil in everything at Thanksgiving? Yeah, he put in the potatoes, in the, the I mean everything. Oh yeah, so, so you got this, you got this room full of full full of people, just high as fuck, like just oh. having a good time listening to music and stuff. And and we were doing this show. A buddy of mine 
Um, and we, we'd had a group called chemical diet at the, at the, at the time we put an album out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very appropriate for the time. Right. That's pretty much what we were doing. And, uh, I, I think, um, I think I had went to the bar and I think I snuck a drink you know, because I was supposed to be being sober at that point. And I think I had snuck a drink around that time. Um, it's hard to remember all this. Gosh, I'm, I'm coming back. I haven't talked about this stuff in, in quite a while, but yeah, somewhere, somewhere around that time. And then that, that kind of led, um, that led back to that. And you, what, what was your original question? I'm sorry, Trip. I, I kind of got off. Uh, well, got off I know that you, you, you'd cleaned up, you, you, you'd made this thing. Hey, I'm going to get, I'm going to do this. And then I know that you started drinking again. And I didn't know if it was out in the open. I, I, I wanted oh, to yeah, know because, because now you've got another layer of shame, right? It's one thing like, yeah, I'm oh, drinking, yeah. but now it's like, oh man, I'm, I, yeah. I, people are thinking I'm sober now and I'm, and I'm drinking. Well, and, and because I know I have a problem too, right, internally, but I still haven't admitted that. So you, you mentioned the shame. Yeah, that just piles it on even more because I know I have an issue, but now I'm going back to it and I'm trying to hide it and bury it down even further. Um, it wasn't a huge thing that I was like sober. I guess I would look at it as like taking a break at that point. And so when I went back, I kind of minimized it and, and justified it by saying, you know, that I, I didn't really have this, this big problem. Um, and I went back and, and it only it only worked out that, um, that it got, it got worse after that. And how bad, um, like what kind of dumb shit were you doing now? Well, so, so now by this point, um, you know, I, I was always continuously smoking weed, like every day, all day. Like we used to say, um, you know, that we didn't, we don't get high, we stay high. And so we just like from mowing the lawn to, you know, to waking up first thing in the morning, you know, cracking some, some coffee and taking a couple bong rips and that, that stayed through all day. Um, and I can remember one, one morning doing that and my daughter, and this was one, this was one light bulb moment that went off for me and I didn't quit immediately, but it, it, it wasn't, um, you know, it kind of planted that seed and my daughter had came out in the garage and it, it, it had probably, you know, reeked like pot out there and uh, it was real early in the morning and she looked at me and she goes, daddy, it smells like evil out here. She turned around and walked in the house and I don't think pot is evil. So let me clarify that. I, you know, I'm not demonizing pot. If you smoke weed, have at it. It's not, you know, that's my issue. But what it said to me was, I looked at that as, as God channeling my daughter to send me a message. Like what you're doing is fucking your kids up and it's, it's, it's jacking your life up too. And you're going down the same path that you grew up in. And that was one of my biggest things you know, in, in becoming an adult and trying to figure out, you know, who I was and, and trying to be a father and a husband is that I didn't want my kids to grow up in the same environment with that emotional stress. And, and I'm not saying it's perfect by any means. Like, right. you know, Jess and I, we have our issues, but, but we, at least we have healthy tools to kind of, to, to deal with them now. But I didn't want that, um, you know, for my kids. And, and so at, so back to pro- progressively getting worse. Yeah. I continued, you know, to, to smoke, um, you know, and then I continued to drink. And a lot of the times when I would drink, I would get cocaine and I, w- I would, I was, I w- like when I, when I got that thought in my mind of getting some Coke, like I could not stop it. And so mm. I would drive drunk. I would leave places and not tell anyone I was leaving to go get it. And then I would hide it. I, it got to a point where I didn't want anybody to be really around me because I didn't, I, I would just rather do, do all the Coke and, and do the, and drink by myself. And so that was a big red, red flag for me. And you would, you would ask about hiding stuff. Jess kind of knew that this was going on. 
but she didn't know the extent of it because in the last year I was hiding it. I was hiding bottles around the house. I was coming home late at night and I was, I was, um, I was drinking and so all hours of the morning to try to cope, I was working a, um, a night shift or a swing shift at the time. And so this progressively got worse. And um, I'd like to get into, too, at some point in, in, in this about, you know, after I got sober is how I found the new man. And that being a pivotal point in changing some things for me um, and, and kind of coming back full circle uh, to even sitting here and talking with you today. Um, but, you know, I, I guess before, before I, I, if, if we can get to that, if that's cool with you. Yeah, we can get into uh, that. I, I want to stick with the, with the yeah. story here. Just like things were getting worse. Um, yeah. and then what had you, was there a, was there a, an event that had you wake up and say, shit, I got to turn this around or, or what, what had you wake up? Cause I'm hearing you, you're starting to get these light bulbs, but what has yeah. you, what has you make a different choice? So I, I guess waking up every day and saying that I'm going to change and today I'm going to quit and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to stop doing this today. And then by noon, uh, sometimes earlier, being in the exact same place I was mm. yesterday. And this happened for months. And so when we well, talk I want to underline this, that, right, because it's not it's not like, oh, this is going to be the day you actually that was part of the process was to yeah. have these kind of false starts. But you were trying is, you know. Uh, yeah, that was different than I don't have a problem. It's like, okay, now I'm going to stop. But you did, you even did that for months, you said. Yeah. So that, that's a great point because yeah, I, I did, I did realize that I had a, a, a problem after, you know, probably for, you know, a serious problem for probably three to six months up until I finally admitted it to, to Seth and to Jess, um, you know, but leading up to that, like you said, kind of part of the journey there was doing this repetitive cycle and, and still trying to justify it in some weird way or, um, you know, or, and then, and then beating myself up too. I mean, it's just, I guess to answer your question, it really started to take a toll on me. It really started to take a toll emotionally. Um, and where I just did not care anymore. I really didn't care. And it got to a point where I didn't care if I lived or died anymore. Mm. And here I am just this selfish bastard like God's given me all these beautiful blessings, like my daughter, you know, my, my wife, who's a good woman. Um, I have a, a decent job at the time. It wasn't the ideal job for me. I was really struggling with that because I was working nights. And so it was really tough. Um, it, it, it allowed me an opportunity to really isolate myself because I was working nights. I was on this odd schedule. And, um, and, and so it, it really just started to beat me up inside. And I saw like, I, I, I literally had um, this vision of my life of either just ending up dead or like I had this feeling that kept coming back to me that was telling me that something really bad is about to happen to you if you don't change. And that was, that was a very, it wasn't just like some random thing. It was a very spiritual connection. If that makes sense, that, that something's coming, that kind of, something is coming because I was at this point, I was driving drunk erratically or high, like on the daily basis. Um, you know, there's, yeah, it, it was, it was, it wasn't a good, uh, a good time for sure. It was a very dark, dark time. And, and so, um, you know, I, I'd finally just had it and I was really willing, uh, like they say in, in the 12 step, like willing to go to any lengths, um, to stop. And so what was that? What was the actual event that you said enough, this is it. Uh, and, so, you, and you got out of your own isolation. I had kind of threw it back and forth for about a week or two about how I was going to tell Jess and how I was going to admit to it because I knew 
I knew that if I was going to seriously do it, I was going to have to go to rehab because I'd already tried times before by trading off. And like we talked about earlier about quitting, um, you know, for a few, few weeks and then going back. So I knew I was going to have to go away, Mm. uh, to, to a treatment facility. And that scared the shit out of me because number one, like who, who wants to go do that? Right. And number two, I'm going to have to leave my, my wife and my, my two-year-old daughter at home by themselves. And like, am I going to get fired from my job? Um, how am I going to pay my bills? Um, you know, all those types of things, you know, but ultimately at the end, I knew if I didn't do that, I was going to die or I was going to kill somebody else or hurt myself or, um, you know, like, like I said before, something bad was going to happen. And so I, well, I want to underline that I want to underline because it, it, regardless of whether this is a, this conversation is about getting clean, um, most of us are, are on some kind of trajectory and we're, and we want to, we want to step into the next trajectory for ourselves. And there's that yeah. shift of like, man, I, we re, we're just going to resist change period. And we're going to resist yeah. the process, even though we want that other outcome. And I love that you knew I want this thing better more. I want this better outcome. I want this better life more than I want the discomfort that may come from it temporarily to, to go through yeah. that change. And most people that I talk to as a coach, that that's what I do is like, we're working through that, that change. And they just, they're, they're looking for that magic thing. Like there's gotta be a way around this. And it's yeah. just so much easier if you turn directly into it and you're willing to do it. So I like that you're, you knew that you were going to have to go all in and put both feet in instead of nickel and dime in this thing or going amateur with it. I, I just really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and I think that part of that, that process was finally admitting you know, that I have a problem. And, and so back, back to your question, I, I went to the spot that Jess and I had always went to, to have some drinks and to kind of relax and, and sit out on the patio. And, and that was how we knew how to talk about things and communicate. And I think I had like a, like a, a, a cup of vodka with a tiny bit of orange juice in it. And I knew, I knew at that moment that that was going to be my last drink. That's it. I had no fucking doubt in my mind. Wow. That's the oddest thing to me. Yeah. It was very, very powerful and very, um, was there remorse? Very, like, Oh man, I better enjoy well, this. Or was it like, no, I'm done. It was kind of both, but it's hard because for somebody who, whatever tool it is that you, that we use to cope with stuff, like for me, alcohol was, was the main one. That's why I kind of identify as an alcoholic, even though I had a, a, you know, an issue with substances and drugs too, alcohol was always at the foundation of it. Um, I was giving up that crutch. Like, how am I going to, how am I going to have fun now? How am mm. I going to, how am I going to live? How am I going to communicate with my wife now? How am I going to be me? Like that was who I identified through was through, I was, you know, a, like I was never a bad drunk. I wasn't an asshole. I mean, I got in a few fights and stuff here and there, but I wasn't like in, I didn't get in a whole bunch of trouble, which made it easier to justify. I was a pr- you know pretty fun dude. Right. And, um, and so now I'm giving up all that how is my family going to look at me? How is, you know, my, my friends going to look at me? What are they going to think? Uh, what are my drinking buddies going to think? And, um, you I'm going to lose, that, I'm going to lose, I stand to lose everything I've already got if I'm going to step into this next thing. But I, but like I said before, I was so, it hurt so bad and I was so tired of it and I didn't want to see my daughter. Uh, and, and, and now I have a son, you know, and so it, at that point I didn't want to see, you know, my family, um, know, I didn't want to hurt them anymore, Mm -hmm. I guess. And so I I basically, I downed that drink and I just, I just told Jess, you know, I just said, Jess, um, there's something I got to tell you. And, um, you know, I have a problem and I'm an, I think I'm an alcoholic and, uh, I need to go to rehab and, uh, man, I'm getting a little choked up right now. Just saying it because, um, 
I don't think about it often. I don't talk about it a lot, but um, man, it was a really powerful moment. And, and it, uh, it felt like the, the weight of the world, you know, had been, had been lifted off of me just to, just to say that. And at the same time, I, I've said this before, I felt like a dick kind of, because here I am telling this, this wonderful woman that I love, like I have, you know, oh man, the weight of the world's off me now. And now you got to deal with my shit. You know what I mean? Like now I got to go to rehab and you got to, are you going to stand by me? Or are you going to, are you going to take off? Like I wouldn't blame her if she took off, you know, like you have to go through all the shit, but she did it. And she said, you know, she said, uh, she said, okay, well, well, what, what do you think? Uh, you know, do you think you, you need to go to rehab? Like you really need to do that. And I said, yes, I think if, if I'm serious about this and I, 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 I want to change. Like, I want to be a better, better man, a better husband, better dad. Like, this is what I need to do. And, um, and so she supported me, you know, through that. And I think I met with Seth later on that night and, um, you know, and, and he'd already been through this a year or year and a half, however long it was before when I went to him and and said, I think I might have a a, a problem. Um, you know, so he knew that it was coming back again and he wasn't really, he wasn't really shocked. But he said, you know, hey, I'm glad that you're here. You're not alone in this, which is an important thing for anyone out there listening. Mm-hmm. Like if if you're struggling or you know somebody who's struggling, like you're not alone. I know it's tough to talk about, but, you know, you're, you're not alone in this. And, and he kind of gave me that peace of mind. Like, like you're not alone. Like I've been through this. There's others out there. So you can do this, too. And so that was kind of the path um, that was set. And, um, well, let me ask you something. Is there a stigma? Was there a stigma to go into a treatment center or was it like, nah, I can do this on my own. Like help me understand that part because man, I work with guys and that's like the biggest thing is for them to admit that a, they got a problem and B that they need help with anything. And so you're going through this right now and you're insisting like, no, I need help. So what, you know, I understand that you were afraid that of what others might think of you just because you were going to get cleaned up. But was there another layer of this of like, yeah. And I'm going to go to a treatment center. I'm going to go all in here. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, because who wants, who wants to ask for help, especially as a dude, right? We think we got it all together. We think that, you know, we we come from this, like, um, you know, this, this kind of status quo, I guess that we're supposed to be tough and not show emotion and we don't communicate. We just put our heads down and get shit done. I think that's a really old school mentality. And I think there are good components to that. So don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm about being a man, but I think there's another side to that, that if we're not opening up and learning about ourselves and, and trying to, um, you know, trying to be open and and talk about showing weakness, I guess, because yes, there's a huge weakness and there's a huge stigma around addiction, around treatment, around just saying, Hey, I went to rehab like that. Who, you know, who wants to announce that or say, I mean, it's not like I go around announcing I went to rehab, but if it comes up, you're called the sober guy, man. Exactly. Yeah. And see, and so, so here, so here's a good, a, a great point to this trip, is that there is power in vulnerability. There yes. is power in weakness, and it talks about that in the Bible. I think it's Paul who says it. For when I'm weak, there I'm strong. And so, when when we can get to a point where we can admit to this, you know, whatever it is that's hindering us, if, if it doesn't have to be addiction or anything, there's usually something that that can stop us. Maybe it's a past bad experience. Maybe it's some a traumatic experience that we that we experience that we haven't dealt with. Um, Getting to a point and being able to accept it and, and and to start coping with it and dealing with it and talking about it, um, you know, that's the first step in change and and being able to move on to that to that next level. You talk about the hero's journey. I mean, that's 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 the first step in that. Right. That's the separation. That's the you know the split from the ordinary world. And now 
All right. So you go to this treatment center, you know, is it all, you know, roses and unicorns and rainbows at this point? Or, I mean, what's, what's the, what was the process like for you? I'm just imagining even like on a neurological level, after baking your brain in these chemicals, what your brain has to go through to, to, to clean up. So I'm just like, what was that recovery process like if you, you know, in a nutshell, basically? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're right. Your, your brain and your, your body and everything kind of has to, has to defrost and it really has to, uh, to, to clear. And that takes some time. I mean, I think they say it, it takes about a year, uh, for that to even, you know, fully get to a spot where like you're, you're pretty clear after that many years of, you know, doing it. Um, and so going in there, uh, it was Azure Acres, phenomenal places in Sebastopol, California. It's where Seth went. And so I, I kind of had an advantage, I feel like, thanks to him, um, in knowing that he had already been there and been through it. We, we ended up having the same counselor, James, uh, James Cantor, phenomenal dude. And, um, you know, I, I remember walking up there. I had my guitar with me and I had a bag and Jess and Seth took me there. And, um, you know, I, I, I was ready though. I, I was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and wa- walking up there was kind of surreal, I guess, you know, even though I was ready, I was like, I can't believe, um, I can't believe like, how did I get here? Mm. You know what I mean? How did going, going from a kid who loved baseball growing up, I played ball all my life. Um, you know, was a pretty damn good kid. You know, it wasn't perfect. Had a wild side to me, had a self-destructive side to me, but pretty good dude. And, you know, how, how did I go through all these years and end up going to rehab? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. But at the same time, I knew a hundred percent it was the right thing and that God had put me there for a reason. And so were you, you strong know, that, in your faith at that time or, or did you, or, or, I mean, is that the stuff you were telling yourself at that time or was it, did it come after you'd, you'd sobered up that you had this, this strong sense of faith? I'd always had, a, I'd always known that, that God and, and Jesus was, was real and that it lived in me. I was raised Catholic, uh, but I, there's a difference to me, and this is probably a, a whole nother conversation, so I won't dive into it, but there's a difference to me between religion and spirituality. And I, um, you know, at that time, I think I would say as a kid growing up, I was very religious. And, um, and if I can back up just one, one second, the day, the night before, or, or maybe a day or two before I went to rehab, after I had admitted all this to Jess and, and Seth, which I'd already alluded to, there's a thing, I call it the committee in my head. And there's a bunch of voices in there that, that talk to each other, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of us have this, and it's not an easy thing to admit because it sounds fucking weird. But it's, it's, it's um, you know, it happens to a lot of us from what I understand. And that next, so I had admitted all this, right? I have a problem, I need to go to treatment. Like, I'm in, I'm all in. Well, that next morning when I woke up, those voices, that enemy started creeping in and telling me that that was all bullshit and that I didn't have a problem and that you're just doing what everyone else does. You got this shit under control. You're fine. You don't need to go to rehab. And so, so I took the dog on a walk and I was walking down the, um, a, a fairly busy road by our house and I was just lost. I didn't know what to do. I'd already committed to this, but am I going to go now? Am I going to stay? Like, what, what do I do? And I'm walking down the road and it's like, it's, it's totally silent, which is very, like I said, it's a, it's a fairly busy road. And I look over and there's this book laying in the middle of the road. Right. And I'm like, well, that's kind of odd. And, um, and so I get up closer and it's a Bible. Wow. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And 
So I kind of, I notice it and it's like this torn Bible. It's, it's, it's a smaller one. And I, I kind of walk past it. Right. And I'm just kind of like, that's weird. And I, I probably get 10, 10, 15 steps past it. And something just stops me dead in my tracks and says, go pick it up. Mm. And so I stopped and I turned around and I went out in the road and I kind of like, I knelt down and like picked it up and I can't remember exactly what, you know, wh- what it said to me on the, on the page or whatever, but something just spoke to me at that moment and just said, go. Like you're doing the right thing, go get help and and go. Like this is this is the path that you're on. And so from that moment, I guess I never looked back. And to answer your question, I think that was the moment for me that switched between religion and spirituality. And I began that spiritual journey of trying to find a deeper relationship with with God. That's powerful. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. And um I also just want to, you know, when we talk about growth, it's a it's an expansive process and what you're doing there is you're kind of expanding you know what a huge expansion to be like okay here i'm going right and you can feel that stretch and what most of us don't understand is that we're like rubber bands you stretch us well we're also going to just want to like collapse we're going to go we're going to just want to go right back into ourselves we're going to want to contract and and i you know I, i like to just tell guys expect it right whatever expansion you go through even if it's just going to the gym today you're going to have that contraction afterwards. You'll be like, fuck, I'm sore. Right. So there's, it's <laughs> yeah. just natural part of the process. You, you, you go up, you make a talk or you do this, or you, you make that bold request. There's always going to be that kind of, uh, I think Brene Brown calls it the vulnerability hangover. There's always this like, Oh, what am I doing? There's going to be yeah. that doubt there. I just tell guys to expect it. It doesn't mean that your original choice was wrong, especially if you know it's coming, right? Like you wake up yeah. the next morning, oh, like, yeah. Oh man, I can't believe I said that, or I did that, or I, I'm going to do this or whatever. And um, but that's where a lot of guys will, will be like, well, man, it can't be right if I'm having these doubts. And no, no, no. You just expect it. You're going to have that contraction. Yeah. So, uh, I wanted to, uh, you, you got a powerful story there, but I also wanted to talk about that contraction there. Cause it's so big. Um, all right. So you go to the, the treatment center and, and I mean, you know, that's kind of where it's easy to kind of wrap this thing up, but I, I, I mean, well, that was 2013. So what's, what's recovery been like for you? Uh, man, it's been a, it well, it's been a journey. It hasn't been easy at all times, especially the first year. Uh, you know, you get out of rehab and, um, you know, you, one, one would think that you get home and you're, you've been sober for 30 days and now everything's fucking hunky dory and it's like, leave it to beaver. But, um, that's absolutely, you know, not the case at all. Now, um, now I got to learn how to connect with my wife. I got to learn how to, how to do my job. I got to learn how, um, to find myself. Uh, and I got to do it all without the old patterns that, um, you know, that, uh, that I had turned to, to, to kind of identify and to, to cope with all that stuff and to deal with it and basically a whole new person. Right. Right. So that first year, um, was, was tough, but at the same time I was in it to win it from the beginning. I'm in it and there's tons of good support in, in 12 step meetings and groups, um, in the church and, um, uh, and, and surrounding myself with, um, you know, with positive people, uh, not putting myself in bad situations that I used to put myself in going back to old environments. Um, you know, which is tough because, you know, I, I still have, um, you know, I, I don't have all of them. Of course, certain people break off that, you know, that maybe I was just a party party buddy or whatever, but I still have friends that drink and that like to have a good time and stuff. Like I'm not, it's, it's a me issue. They, if they have their own issue, that's up to them to decide, you know, but I guess for the point, I did have to take myself out of certain situations for a while. And so that first year w- was pretty tough. And, um, as times went along, you know, I, I would, I wouldn't change anything 
for anything because um, my life today, although it's not perfect, you know, it's I've been able to do some things, um, you know, through my faith and through allowing God to just do work in me and, and kind of give it up to him and know that I, I can't control everything in life. I can't control outer circumstances. I can control my response to them and that's it. And so, you know, when we talk about just days waking up, like I, I get a choice. I can wake up and say, fuck, today's going to suck. Or I can wake up and I can say, damn, it's going to be a great day today. I'm excited to see what God has in store for me. And so that's kind of the attitude that I tend to take. And when challenges come along, because they do in my marriage, in my work, um, decisions being made, I'm, I'm going through some things, um, you know, with, with work right now that are, that are absolutely amazing, but they're big decisions and they affect my family. Mm-hmm. They affect, you know, um, you know, they affect the whole realm of, of everything in my life. And, um, you know, I have to deal with those. And thankfully today I don't have to turn to alcohol to do that. And that's thanks to communities like, like 12 step, um, like the church, like my, like my good friends, my family. Um, you know, I have a lot of people who stuck by me, um, and, you know, and, and who, who didn't quit on me and who've been there. And now I I feel like I'm able through my own experience to turn around through the podcast. Um, you know, we, we run a, a connect group through our church, the father's house out here in Vacaville, amazing place. Um, tons of good people. And, um, you know, we get to, we get to offer, um, you know, our home, open our home up for young adults to come in and just to hang out, eat some food and just share a little bit, talk about, you know, experiences, talk about God, um, you know, all kinds of things. And so those are the types of healthy things that, you know, I get to do today and, and, and to be a good father, you know, and to get to do it sober is just, it means the world to me. And I'm yeah. just super blessed and grateful, you know, every day. Well, let, let me ask you something because, you know, you're going through your own process. It's very singular. It's it's like, you know, you got your plate full just handling your own process. But at some point, you start to transition into, if we're talking about the hero's journey, there's that, you know, that separation from the ordinary world. Then there's going through the trials. Like you said, you had to relearn all this shit. And then there's the return. You're bringing back the gold from this. So, I mean, so many of us, it's totally fine just to focus on your recovery and make it a day-by-day thing. And and it's private. Um that's yeah. not really been your path. How, what happened for you yeah. to 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 make uh, to to basically come out and and want to share uh, what you've gone through and help others? I, I've always had this love for for media, for music. Like I said, I was a musician, so I was in bands and and um, you know did a bunch of shows and recorded a couple albums and um, just always had fun doing that. But I was it was always there was always substance involved in it, right? And so back to I kind of touched on this earlier and I, I hope you don't mind. Um, but you know, I was at work and this was like a few months. I was, I still had to go back to the job in, in the, in the, um, in the mail room, you know, working swing shifts and I was having to you know, stay sober when I went home and I was having to, to do all this again. And it, there was a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. And my buddy, Justin called me up one day and he goes, Hey, he go, because I did a pretty monotonous job and I could put headphones in and I could listen to, I would listen to radio. I'd listen you know, to, to music, that kind of stuff. And he goes, Hey, check this podcast out, the new man. And I said, okay. And so I, you know, this one night I happened to be there working, I was doing my thing and I threw the new man on and it was the episode with Greg Long. And, um, dude, something in that just changed me that night. And I heard Greg's story. I heard the way you conducted the interview with him. Um, I, there was something very powerful. Obviously he's got a phenomenal story. He basically died and, and was brought back to life, right. big wave surfer, like super, super cool story. And, um, 
you know, that just kind of, that, that set the tone for me that night. And, you know, I had, I had, I know this sounds, this sounds crazy. I was telling my wife this last night. I have envisioned this conversation we're having right here three and a half years ago when I heard that night. I envisioned myself talking with you and sharing my story and being able to offer, you know, some of the, some, through some of the shit that I've been through in the hopes that it would help somebody else out there. And so that power of thought that's happened quite, you know, it's happened a lot and it's, it's a very powerful thing. And into that, what happened in from listening to that and from starting to get motivated and finding that passion, that's a huge thing in trying to cut out shitty things in our lives is finding something that we're passionate about and diving into it and really pursuing it. So mm. it doesn't have to be starting a podcast. It could be lifting weights or something. I mean, whatever it is, it could be a number of things, but I found that. And like a few months later, I literally sat up in bed one night. And my wife talks about this and, and she kind of laughs and I said, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to, I don't know, I don't know how the hell to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to start one and I'm going to just talk about my recovery and my experience and it'll help keep me sober. Cause I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to enjoy to do something like that. And if it helps someone else out there, then, then awesome. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that was kind of the, the start and, you know, in, in April of 2013 or 2014, I think 2014. Yeah. I launched sober guy. And uh, that sober guy podcast at that time, and it's just it's just slowly grown, and, and it's really helped um, to keep me dialed in and to keep me focused, along with a lot of other um, you know components to that. Um, and it, it seems to be helping some other folks out there too. And so I can't really ask for anything more than that. That's that's amazing. That's it's such an inspiring story. I got tears in my eyes as I listened to that. Um, so thank you, Trip. Thank yeah. you, bro. Like seriously, man. Like I, I'm not on your nuts or anything. Well, I kind of am, man. I, I kind of do. I, I just dig. I dig the new man, man. It's uh, like I said, it's been a cornerstone for me. I know it's helping so many dudes out there. I got a bunch of homies who listen to it too, and uh, it's really an honor. And I'm just, I was so, so happy to to be able to get the opportunity to come on today, man. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. I don't, you know, as a as a podcast, I sit in my office. I have these conversations that go out. I don't, I don't really get to interact too much. So uh, to hear yeah. how this kind of impact goes for me, where the real, the the real uh, oomph is is when y- guys like you get inspired and then go do your yeah. thing. That's the whole point. It's not to become, you know, like oh, okay, what do I do to become the new man or, or like put on some, you know, basically learn how to be something they're not. It's like no, go yeah. do your own thing, and that's what's so awesome and inspiring about this is watching how others are going out there and, and, uh, and impacting others in their own way. And I love that you, you shot up out of bed and you had that vision to go do that. And, um, yeah. you know, that's inspiring that I love that. And the thing that I'm appreciating about you is just your, your mindset through the whole thing. And, and like you said, you, you're in it to win it. And I like that. You're like, I'm going to create the scenario that supports me in making this, this change. The other part of this is that you've had chances along the way and I know you're not perfect, but you've had chances along the way to collapse into your shame. And, and, you know, yeah. I, I just say life's a lot more fun when we get over ourselves. And the reason why I say this, cause <laughs> I have to tell myself that every freaking day. So yeah. it's just like it, when we get over ourselves, it gets a lot more fun and, and you're able to make this return in the hero's journey and, and start to deliver the gold and, and help others along the way here. So, um, man, it's just, uh, it's inspiring stuff. And, and I'm, I'm really happy for you. I know it's not easy. I know it's a day to day thing for you. Um, and I just like how you've designed things to set it up to, to just put the wind at your back that much more. Yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. And then, and my, my sponsor buddy, man, he's a great dude. He, he reminds me of that often. He says, man, you ain't shit. 
<laughs> you ain't shit. Remember that. And so, you know, if I if I keep that humble and that, you know, that mentality, because I'm not, man, I'm I'm here to do God's work. And if I let him guide me through the day, man, I don't have a care, you know, in the world on, on a normal day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just I just let him let him do do his work. And um, it, it tends to to make things a lot easier that way. Uh, because when I when I try to do it, man, dude, I can I can jack some stuff up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. I mean, you've also got a balance here of, of of recognizing that you're in service of something much bigger than yourself. But then you but you don't lose your sense of choice in that. You're not like, oh well, it's not up to me. You you are very aware that every more every day is a, is another opportunity for you to make better choices. So I think that's the thing where a lot of us get stuck in in kind of one duality either. It's all up to me and I'm fucked either way, or yeah. it's like, okay, I'm in service to something bigger than I am, but I, I it's up to me. I got to make these choices. Gonna Nobody's going to take care of me in that way. Um, I, yeah. I love that integration there. And that's hard for some people to grasp. They're, they always, they do think that somebody, they're waiting for something to come along and save them or rescue them or make it better. Or if their problems, if they have problems, it's because of some other thing. Um, yeah. you've got a, you've got a real handle on this integration of, of what's, what you're completely responsible for. I like that. Uh, that, uh, that that personal responsibility, man. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. So you were in the mailroom, you know, at your job. Are you still in the mailroom? What's going on there? <laughs> so, man, it's 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 crazy, man. I I, I still can't believe it. So, you know, so this day sometimes, um, but I think that goes hand in hand with that personal responsibility piece we touched on. I'm the only one that's going to do something for me. Like there's no magic fairy that's going to come down and, and sprinkle that magic dust on me and make my life beautiful and, and have it flow out the way that I want it. Like I got to get after it and I got to make some, some choices in that. And what eventually what I did was um, I still work for that same company. It's a fortune 500 company, um, huge company out of California. And um, you know, a, about a year after creating sober guy, I went to them and I, I pitched this idea to them that like, look, like we could use podcasting as a communication platform, um, for our call centers. And so it took, I knocked on some doors for about six to nine months. And I finally ended up getting a meeting and, um, you know, sitting down and putting a project proposal together and like, here's how we could do it. Here's the cost analysis of it, the whole nine hours. Some shit that I never, I didn't even know how to do it at the time. Really. I just, YouTube is a phenomenal thing, right? You can learn anything right. on YouTube. And if you add your own little spices and I like to, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, junior, I listened to on, on your show a while back, uh, how he's talking about making the recipe. You practice, you practice, you practice and you can dip your own little things in. Well, that's kind of what I did. I just learned as I, I went and I created this, um, you know, this platform of this podcast and for your and job, slowly, for the, for the yeah, company for, you work for? for my job, for the company. And they ended up taking me on um, you know, so I got out of the mail room eventually. I got, I actually was in customer service at the time. So I got out of behind the desk and I started doing podcasting, um, traveling around, interviewing, uh, different, different people in the company about process changes, a, a little bit about EAP and mental health, which was awesome for me. Cause obviously that was very sentimental to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole combination of things and what's happened since then, that was almost two years ago now. Um, I don't think that anybody thought that it was going to do as well as it's done, but now what's happened is it has branched out throughout the whole company. And so now at the corporate level, at the exec level, um, they're making their plans around the podcast platform to, to utilize it as part of their communication plans. And so (laughs) 
now we're now I'm doing that internally, and not only that, um, our company serves everybody in California. So I don't. I'm always weary about saying the name of the company. I don't know why, um, but I, I think I'm going to kind of stay true to that. But we serve, you know, the communities all around, and um, we're talking now about taking, you know, this out to the public and being able to give them little pieces through a podcast about how how they can you know better utilize our service and and, and that type of thing. So it went from this idea in the mailroom, you know, to um, what I do for a living now and other opportunities that are coming through Sober Guy actively right now, um, you know, that I can't even believe beyond my wildest dreams. So I love um, it, man. That's bold yeah. too. Like I love it. Like it, it wasn't like, oh, I asked once and that was it. You said you stuck with it for months and you yeah, kept on it. Time. Man, that's yeah. that's it. That's the mindset, man. You, you like a dog on a bone, baby. Like you just got yeah. in there and you stayed yeah. with it. And and um, oh man, God, we could put that yeah. in a bottle and man, that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's the pursuit of happiness. I'm constantly pursuing that shit. <laughs> well, it's there. I mean, I just love that you're going for it, man. I'm so glad you cleaned up. I I mean, it, it would. <laughs> I'm just bummed. Like, how many people are sitting on the couch wasting their lives away when they could be doing really cool yeah. shit like you're doing? So I'm so grateful you you've been you've been doing the work on yourself so that you can go out there and have this impact on others too. So I know um, there's a guy out there that's listening to this and he's shitting his pants a little right now because he knows we're talking <laughs> to him. Um, yeah. And I, I'm getting like life's life's a lot can, can be a lot better for him. Um, you know, wh- wh- what are the resources that you can point him to? I know you got a ton of stuff on your website. How can we help him out? Yeah, you, you can go to uh, you can go to that sober um, there, there's resources on there to reach out. Uh, you can contact us through there. Uh, I'll give out my email. It's, uh, it's sobriety at that sober guy.com. If you, if you want to shoot me an email, I'll do my best to, uh, uh, to answer it. But I always answer every email back in, in as timely fashion as I can. Um, you know, reach out to somebody, you're not alone and there's no weakness in it. I can tell you that right now. Um, if anything, it's going to make you 10 times, 10 times better in the long run. Um, and, and just talking about it and, and, and getting getting the things off of your off of your chest. Uh, yeah, so you can go to that soberguy.com. We we also a uh, great resource. We have a private Facebook group. It's called Sober Guy, Sober Girl, and you can request an ad on there. Just search it out on Facebook. And I think there's uh, over 500 men and women in there from all over the the country and even uh, quite a few from the world um, that are in there actively, you know, posting know, thoughts and answering questions and laughing. I mean, it's important to have some fun too. Like I, I'm the first guy, like I want to have some fun. Like this shit's mm-hmm. not all doom and gloom. Like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a phenomenal, amazing thing to live a life um, where I'm not a slave uh, to, to an addiction, you know? And so, yeah, you can do that at um, uh, the, the sober guy, sober girl group. And then uh, I think we're at five sober guy at that at five, that sober guy on Twitter um, and, uh, I think that's it, man. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I would, uh, be happy to answer any questions or uh, help in any way I can. Okay. That sober go there. I imagine all these resources are there. Uh, Shane, thanks so much, man. Much love to you. Much love to your wife, Jess, too. I appreciate you coming on here and, and being vulnerable, like sharing this story. Uh, but yeah. more, more important than that, like living this life, I know it's not about being perfect and, um, most of us are wanting to set it up where we've got a hundred percent certainty and it's going to be great. And you know, all that kind of stuff. I just love how you like, fuck it. I'm going in, I'm going, I'm going to do this. Uh, going all in baby. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for having me on today, man. It's been an honor and, uh, I greatly appreciate it. And 
thanks for the inspiration, man. You are truly an inspirational dude. Even my homie Seth last night, he goes, man, there's something about Trip's Trip's voice, man, that just that just crushes it, man. So <laughs> I, I, I love it, man. Thank thank you so much. You're so welcome. <laughs> That's awesome. If these interviews are helping you, then please visit the new man on iTunes and leave us a positive review so others can discover the show more easily. Thanks for listening.